fallible. I, 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 I sin and, and I'm asking, Lord, that you forgive me and forgive us here. At this moment, we, we ask for, for your cleansing and we ask for a continued outpouring of your Holy Spirit as we're about to open your words. That this message today, it is spoken by you. I'm asking, Lord, that you anoint my lips, but also pour out your spirit so that we can be receptive to it. Bless us and keep us right now as we open your sacred scriptures. We ask this humbly in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Biblical truths of the second coming of God. Jude chapter 1 verse 14. Jude 1 14 it says, Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints. Job 19, 27 through 25. Uh, sorry, 25 through 25. Uh, to 27. I'm all confused. Job 19, 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. 26. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. 27. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns with me. And I want to pause there for a moment before we go to the next Bible verses. Because understand, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. He knows it. And he knows that he's coming. And he knows that this flesh, even though my skin is going to be destroyed. Listen, I have to tell you, I am at a point in my life right now that if I sleep the wrong way, I have a tough time getting out of bed. You know, and I thought, you know, when I, when I got my house, when we moved out here to Tallahassee, we got a new bed frame. But we got one of those that you need a running start to kind of climb on the bed. And that was a great idea at first. It is the dumbest idea once you pass a certain age where it's like you got to scooch off the bed and just kind of, <laughs> and you kind of get up that way. I, I'm getting to a point in my life where I am noticing that I am not as young as I used to. I falling not once, my kids make fun of me, not once but twice from a two-story building in Puerto Rico playing tag. And I got the scar in the back of my head. I, I, I shave my head, but if the hair grows, you see a giant Y in the back because it's split in the same spot twice. And it took two different turns. And I said, Dad, how can you be so silly to be playing on a rooftop and say, ha, ha, you missed me. And, pew, you know, how do you do that twice? Because I am hard-headed. And, and, and so I remember bouncing off of that like nothing. And now I can't even sleep. If, if I have too many pillows or too little pillows, you got to find the right combination. I'm hurting. I'm a point in my life that I'm realizing I'm a little bit older. And I, and I, and I, I, I kind of feel what Job is saying there. That even after my skin is destroyed, I know that for myself, I'm going to see God. And I yearn for that day of his coming. And so I am not sure if you yearn for the day of his coming. I know sometimes we all have our good days and our bad days. I've told you before, and you'll hear this plenty of times, that our lives as children of God is a life of crisis. Anybody tell you that it's all rainbows and unicorns and pretty and flowers and stuff? It is a lie. You are either in the middle of a crisis you are coming out of a crisis or about to go into a crisis, but your life is always crisis. If you are enjoying your life right now and everything is good and you got food on your table, you got a roof over your head, maybe you're not yearning at this moment, but 
Can you at least yearn for your fellow brethren? When you look out into the world, there's so much suffering. When I look at the media and I see all these things, I yearn, if not for me, for them. But we should be constantly yearning for that glorious day when Christ comes again. Look what the prophet Isaiah said. This is Isaiah 26, 19. It says the following, Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Verse 25, chapter 25, the previous chapter, verses 8 and 9, it says the following. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Look at verse 9. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. I don't know if you have any lost ones, any loved ones that you've lost. I don't know if you can empathize with the words of the prophet here. I have some of you may be like me realizing that I'm closer to death than what I was to birth. And, and, and so understand that there will be a day where we will be reunited with our loved ones. This is biblical. This is prophetic. This is what the Lord of God says. And so even Jesus, when he was going to be separated from his disciples, when he was about to leave them after walking with them for three and a half years, he died on the cross. He resurrected. He hung out with them a little while. When he was going to leave them, he gave him the assurance that he was going to come again. He gave him the comfort. Look at John 14 verses 1 two and three it says the following it says let not let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me verse two in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you verse three and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also Matthew 25 31 here's a parable of Jesus but it is for is vivid for us when the son of man comes in his glory all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory you have to understand that the disciples have spent all this time with Jesus and it's kind of like um for those who are young, if you ever done summer camp, you're kind of super excited. You know, at first it's awkward and weird, and then you meet those connections, and, and you become friends, but then, you know, camp is over, and now it's like, oh, I kind of miss my friends, and, and you yearn for them again. Or perhaps some of you who are a little bit older, you know, I, I think of some of my aunts and uncles. I think of some of my friends that I grew up that are no longer alive today. I think of my grandma and grandpa. I think of my grandparents. There are people that you're just yearning to be with that you miss and I'm sorry for the heartache but it is just for a little bit and not only is it for a little bit Christ promised that we're going to get to be with him again and we'll be reunited with those that we love as a matter of fact after Jesus ascended even the angels that hung back gave the disciples the reassurance look at Acts 1 it says the following it says who also said, men of Galilee, this is the angels, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, 
will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. So chill. It's good. He's coming back. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 gives us a little bit more. Look what it says. It says, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Revelation 1.7. Look what it says. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who they who pierce him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Even so, amen. So understand this. Understand this. This is a promise he's going to come from the clouds every eye is going to see him and 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 you know this is going to be a very visible thing this is not going to be something that is going to be in secret all right some people think sometimes like i'm going to go to bed wake up tomorrow morning and my wife is gone the lord must have taken her this is a very public event i mean somebody may have taken her but not the lord you know, understand that every eye is going to see this and somebody out there. Now, you yourself may be hearing this like the disciples from as early as Matthew chapter 8 for 20 chapters and not really realizing that he is coming. But if you are not really recognizing this, understand that there's people out there that need to know that the Lord has a promise. The Lord has a promise and he is coming. And not only do I know that, that, it, that he's coming... And it's not going to be secret. When he comes, he's going to restore so many things. It is going to be visible all around. Check out this cluster of passages. Remember what I told you. I'm giving you a combo of Bible text. Check out Acts 3.21. Acts 3.21. It says, Whom heaven must receive unto the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Revelation 11.15. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, you see, not quietly, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. I'm not even worried about what's happening with the royal family and what's going to end up. I'm not worried about Democrats and Republicans and all of those things. It doesn't matter because this hot mess that this world is in, the leaderships of this world in different areas will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Isaiah 40 verse 5, it says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 28 5, it says uh, the following, that in that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people God has a people crowns are going to be placed in our heads this whole government system this whole economic system this whole world is going to be made and new there will be a brand new heavens a brand new earth everything is going to be done away with and everything will be made anew we're going to have a chance to watch recreation the only part of recreation that we're going to miss is when this body with thinning hair and, 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 and gray hair and you know I, I was trying to figure out what happened to my my hair because my son is upstairs in a song you see his beautiful curly hair that used to be me like last week and then I blink and it was gone it started going down to like my ears and stuff and I gotta like pluck them before I come to church but but you know the only recreation that we're gonna miss 
is when we are transformed in the twinkle of an eye. That's the only one that we're not even going to see it. We're going to blink and pop out like, wow, look at me. Ow. Right? But other than that, we're going to experience recreation. Everything will be made anew. It's not going to be something that just happens behind doors and, and it is a secret. It is going to be visible by everybody. And so the long-desired kingdom of the Messiah is going to be established, you know, under the whole heaven. Ready for the combo again? Isaiah 51.3. Look what it says. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Isaiah 62, 4-5. It says, you shall no longer be termed forsaken, you, nor shall your land and any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Verse 5, for as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. It's going to be precious. It's going to be beautiful. It is going to be a wonderful experience for everyone to see and witness. And you have to understand, the reason why it feels like, it feels like a, I'm kicking a dead horse. Is that the expression? Where I'm just beating, maybe beating a dead horse. Kicking, beating, I don't know. Maybe punching. But you, I'm kind of just talking about the same thing. It's because I need you to get it. It happened to the disciples. <gasps> why is he crucified? Oh no, dude, he's been telling you this whole time. And Jesus is coming. And it's going to be magnificent. The, the return of Jesus has been a beacon of hope for his followers throughout history. And it should be our hope right now. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18. Look what it says. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Now look at the words that were given to, to John the Revelator at, at, at Patmos. Revelation 22 verse 20. Look what it says. He who testifies to this thing, saying, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. This coming of the Lord has been a hope for all of us. We need to comfort one another because it should be our hope. We should be looking forward to his glorious appearing. We should never lose sight at the fact that Christ is coming back to take us home. I like this analogy and I always use it because I think it's, it's funny. It's like a, a sports team that just focuses on ironing out their uniforms and shining their, their trophy case, but they never actually practice how to do the, the sport or, or, or the event or never play a game. You cannot prepare yourself and be equipped to be a child of God, put on the armor of God to just sit in the pews or at home in your living room and not do anything. We are on a mission. My God is coming soon and he needs to work in us and through us for the benefit of all. We are not called to be idle. We should live our lives with a heaven's mentality. 
couple of weeks ago somebody left a wallet somewhere in the parking lot there was some cash in it or whatever one of the members from the church that rents from us reached out to me gave it to me and I drove it to, to the guy's house or whatever but I remember that me back in the day when I was a teenager I would just say ooh money shiny <gasps> wow I, I mean because but 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 now when you think with a heaven's mentality why would you let five dollars cost your salvation why will you let $500? Why will you let $100? I mean, you have to understand something. Let me just tell you this so you can understand it. A couple of years ago, uh, so I had like motorcycles and stuff in New Jersey and whatever else, right? And maybe six, seven years ago, I had a church member from St. Pete um, test out and help me find another motorcycle for me. And I, and I went and bought it. And um, I, when I went to buy helmets, Back in the day, I used to just take my brother's helmets uh, and just use them. But I went to buy one. It was like 500 bucks. And I said to him, I was like, Uncle Vincent, like this is a lot of money. He's like, Pastor Jay, how much is your head worth? I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So that makes sense. I shouldn't have gone by the $20 helmet. I mean, do I have a $20 head? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Does that make sense? How much is your salvation worth? And if you live with a heaven's mentality, you will live your life a whole lot different. We have the hope that Jesus is coming. The dungeons, the prisons, people that were burned at the stakes, all of the pioneers from the Waldenses to Wycliffe to Luther to Melanchthon to Calvin to Knox and all of the others for months, I've been telling you about them. They lived their lives with their hope that they were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And not only was Jesus coming soon, you know what he did? He ensured that in the word of God, we had signs that we were on the right track. We had tokens throughout history of his soon return, which is why I have been going with you throughout history all this entire time. It's not because I enjoy history. Trust me, I barely passed my history classes in college. I was a big believer that C's get degrees. You know, I, I was, it was so hard to, to try to do all of that. And, and so I, 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 it wasn't for my own sake. But it is important because they're there. It's kind of like if I give you directions to my house and I say something like, you know, you go out here, make a right. You're going to pass this restaurant on the left, this gas station on the right. As you're passing, yep, we're on track. We're on track. Everything checks. This is why the word of God has prophecy. This is why I've been bringing you through history to see everything that is being done. And so look at some of the signs that the Lord has given us. Luke 21, 25. It says the following. And there will be signs in the sun. There will be what in the sun? Signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, the stress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Mark 13, 24 through 26. Looks, it says the following. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its lights. 25. The stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 26. Then... They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Revelation 6.12 I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. It always happens in this order. Earthquake, the sun becomes dark, the moon like blood, the stars fall, and Jesus comes. 
always happens on the, that way. In other sections of scriptures, now Solomon, we don't have this on the screen, but if you read Matthew 24, you see it in that order. Mark 13, Luke 21, Joel 2. Over and over, it happens in that very order. And guess what? In history, it happened just like that. It is exactly how it took place. In 1755, we had the great Lisbon earthquake. The cities of North Africa were completely level. It was felt in Strasbourg, 1,100 miles away. Rivers and lakes disturbing in Scandinavia, tidal waves in the Caribbean. Until this day, 266 years later, we still see the damage caused by that great earthquake. In Spain and Portugal, the, the, the manifest, the violence was so bad from this earthquake that they were said that the waves were up to 60 feet high. This is Sir, Sir uh, Charles Lyle talked about that. And I want to put this quote on the screen for you now, just so you get a better picture of, of what happened. At Lisbon, a sound of thunder was heard underground. And immediately afterwards, a violent shock threw down the greater part of that city. In the course of about six minutes, 60,000 persons perished. Come on now. There, listen to that again. The sea first retired and laid the bar dry. It then rolled in, rising 50 feet or more above its ordinary level. Among other extraordinary events related to have occurred at Lisbon during the catastrophe was the subsidence of a new quay built entirely of marble at an immense expense. A great concourse of people had collected there for safety as a spot where they might be, be, be beyond the reach of the fallen ruins. But suddenly the quay sank down with all the people on it and not one of the dead bodies ever floated to the surface. Sir Charles Lyle, Principles of Geology, page 495. And here's another one now from the Encyclopedia Americana. It says, The shock of the earthquake was instantly followed by the fall of every church and convent. Almost all the large public buildings and more than one-fourth of the houses in about two hours after the shock. Fires broke out in different quarters and raged with such violence for the space of nearly three days that the city was completely desolate. The earthquakes happened on a holiday when the churches and convents were full of people, very few of whom escaped. It is estimated that ultimately over 90,000 people lost their lives that day. Just as the Bible predicted. An earthquake. And so what do you think happened 25 years later? Remember the order? The earthquake. Then it's supposed to be the, the dark day. Now, how do I know that? And how do I know the timing? Let's go ahead and read Mark 13, 24. Look what it says the following. Mark 13, 24. It says, but in those days, after that tribulation, I just spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light. And you know what? In 1798, the tribulation, the end of the dark ages, the end of the crusades, for 1,260 years, people were persecuted if they didn't follow church the way that they were supposed to. In the name of God, we murder people. My God is a God of love. My God is a God of life. And after that tribulation, 
then it says the sun will be darkened. We know historically the tribulation ended in 1798 and May 19, 1780, just a year and a half later, we had what is known in history, the dark day. There were some lawgivers in the middle of a council in Connecticut. They were trembling and they were saying, oh no, it's the day of the Lord. We need to, to adjourn right now. But then everybody looked at Abraham Davenport. And I want to put this quote on the screen. Look what he said. This well may be the day of judgment, which the world awaits. But be it so or not, I only know my present duty and my Lord's command to occupy till he come. So at the post where he hath set me, in his providence, I choose for one to meet him face to face. No faithless servant frightened from my task, but ready when the Lord of harvest, the harvest calls. And therefore, with all reverence, I will say, let God do his work. We will see to ours, bring in the candles. And so I, I crack up about this because... Um, you know, years ago, I used to work as a lifeguard about 80 pounds ago. And I remember when there were no, like, guest members swimming and stuff there. The lifeguards and I would just jump in. We would do, like, water basketball, which is a lot of fun. No dribbling required. Just more wrestling and throwing the ball than anything else. And, and I remember that sometimes the boss would come. And you kind of just like, oh, we were just, you know cleaning stuff and doing whatever have you ever done something in your job you're not supposed to and you don't want your boss walking in on you catching you what you're not supposed to you know Abraham Davenport was there doing a task and when they all panicked because this day was so dark so so dark he was like no no let the Lord do his thing but we're going to be found working we're going to be found doing our thing. You know, May 19, 1780, till this day stands his history as the dark day. No period of darkness for this land, for the quality, for the density, for the extent, for the duration has ever been recorded. Not even that eclipse that we had a couple of years ago. Not one. This is still the longest to the extent and the area that it covers. The largest ever recorded. And it happened right on schedule the way the Lord said it. Look at this quote for Sir William Herschel. Um, 1738, 1822 declare. It says the following. The dark day in North America was one of those wonderful phenomena of nature which philosophy is at a loss to explain. Philosophy may be at a loss to explain it, but my God explained it and predicted it and said it was going to be so right on schedule. Right on schedule. Joel 2.31, it says uh, the following. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and then what? The moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And don't you believe it that the very next night, right on schedule, the moon was red like blood. It was like nothing they had never seen before or have seen since. And so what is next? Remember, earthquake, the sun turns into darkness, the moon into blood, and then the stars fall from heaven. Remember, we read that a little bit earlier. And by the way, reminder to all of you, go back and study this for yourself because I need you to understand that Christ is coming very soon. On November 13th, 1833. Right on schedule, we had the, the Leonid meteor shower. It had over 250,000 stars an hour. It lit up the sky to such a way that at nighttime, you could read a newspaper clearly as though the sun was out. Samuel Rogers made a, a big point. He wrote a lot about this. And look at this quote from Abraham Lincoln himself. 
Is he the one that says I can't tell a lie? I don't know. I don't know. Like I told you, history is not my subject. But or he's the one that cut a cherry something. Uh, I'm sure you guys will tell me on Facebook how wrong I am about all of this. Abraham Lincoln, look at this quote. When I was a young man in Illinois, said he, I boarded for a time with a deacon of the Presbyterian Church. One night, I was roused from my sleep by a rap at the door, and I heard the deacon's voice exclaiming, Arise, Abraham! The day of judgment has come. I sprang from my bed and rushed to the window and saw the stars falling in great showers. And that happened right on schedule. Earthquake, the sun, the moon, the stars from heaven, and according to Bible prophecy, the fifth thing we're waiting for is the coming of Christ Jesus. Do you see why I'm telling you that Jesus is coming? He is coming. Look at Luke 21, 28. It says the following. It says, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Speaking of the flowers, look at what Jesus says in Luke 21, same chapter, verse 30. It says, when they are already budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. Luke 21, 31 says the following. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is what? The kingdom of God is near. I mean, you have to understand something. He is coming. Why am I throwing like 10 times the Bible verses that are normally used up here? Because I want you to get it. I don't want you to be like my cousin and I when we used to do a whole bunch of bad stuff to our aunts and uncles. My wife and I were reminiscing the other day how I played a prank on my aunts and uncles and they, uh, they put my pants down in Puerto Rico and set me right into an anthill. And uh, let's just say I was scarred for life in more than one way. Uh, and, and, you know, this is not, not a good thing. You know, uh, maybe that's TMI. I don't care. Look, all I'm saying is this. Here's what happens. They used to tell us all of the time, Deja eso, te voy a dar. Cut it out. I'm going to hit you. You better stop it. I'm going to hit you. Hey, cut it out. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. Bah! Why you hit me? Like, dude, I've been telling you this whole time. And so the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. <gasps> He's here. <gasps> How can that be? I do not want you to be surprised. So when you see these things happening, know that He is near. Again, earthquake, sun, moon, stars. And the next thing we're waiting for is the coming of Jesus. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 continues. It says, but take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that they come on you unexpectedly. Like, how can this be? Verse 36, two verses later. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Revelation 3.1 And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, this thing says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know you your works that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead do you realize that who you are when so when no when no one is watching is truly who you are do you realize that when you try to fool me when I come visit you and you hide your DVD collection or, or your books or you clean up the house and you know let we gotta impress the pastor God knows exactly who you are I know you you think you are living life, but you are dead. You need me in your life. Please let me in. 
And so we need to watch and not be caught out there, unaware, by surprise, carousing, and with the things of this life. Some of us here who are part of this religion, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. By the way, those of you who don't know about Adventism, let me tell you two things that we preach. Uh, we preach a lot of things, but, but the reason for our name, Seventh Day, because we believe in the Word of God, when it says that the Seventh Day, Saturday, the Seventh Day of the week, not the first one, is His Holy Day. But Advent literally means the coming of Jesus, Seventh Day Adventist. But some of us forget about the Adventist piece and we become good Seventh Day Adventists. On the Seventh Day, for one or two hours, you're here with me and that's the only Jesus time. The rest of the week, you live your life as though you're not waiting for the advent of Jesus. I don't need you to be a seven-day Adventist. I need you to be an everyday, every minute, every hour Adventist looking forward to his glorious appearing. This is what I need. And if you can't say amen, say ouch. Come on now. Are you being honest with who you are? He knows your heart. Revelation 3.3 continues. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. I want to pause here briefly before we go to the next text. Because here's the thing. Some people use this text thinking again, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. <gasps> Where did my wife go? No, no. When the Bible says as a thief and no one knows the time of the hour, it's not that it's going to be in secret. It's just simply that you need to be ready. Because you don't know when he's coming. Not that you're going to be unaware of his coming. Do, do you understand the difference? That's the idea. Now, here's something else from Zephaniah 1.12. This is one of those books you guys barely read, but you should check it out someday. It's beautiful. Zephaniah 1.12. It says, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. They are, say, Tallahassee. They are, say, your own homes. And punish the men who are settled in complacency. Who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Eh, meh, blah. You, you ever seen people with that attitude? I mean, you, you church people are too religious. It, it is whatever. He comes, he may not come. Eh, I have people tell me, I'd rather rule in hell than serving heaven. I have people saying that's just something that, that it was invented to control you guys, etc. And we're just kind of whatever. Or maybe you are even worse than that. The ones who say the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. But you live your life with zero urgency. But here is the problem. You cannot be complacent as the word of God says. Because when it comes to the end times. The only question in Revelation is whom do you worship? And you are either with God or not. So complacency does not matter. It is time for you to wake up. Look at Jeremiah when he exclaimed in Jeremiah 4, 19 through 20. He says the following. Oh, my soul, my soul. I am pain in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. 20. Destruction upon destruction is cry, for the whole land is plunder. Suddenly my tents are plunder and my curtains in a moment. See, you have to understand this glorious day, this glorious day is a day of joy, but it is also a day of sadness. Let me explain to you. So I, 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 I like this example because it's the best way that I can explain it. When I used to be in trouble, my mom used to say, when to your father gets home? 
And I hated to see my father come home. When I hear the car pull up, and they're like, ah, he's here. But when it was my birthday, when it was Three Kings Day in Puerto Rico, you get not one, not two, but three gifts. Although we should have been Jewish and gotten eight gifts instead. But anyways, but you know, you get, you get all of these things. Uh, I, it was like, yay, daddy's home. Depending on whether I was in trouble or not, the same coming of my father determined how happy or how sad or scared I was. But what changed was not his arrival. He always parked in the same spot. He always did the same thing. It was my condition that determined whether it was a happy day or a sad day. And I know many parents right here are probably saying, Lord, I know I want you to come, but not just yet because my children haven't fully surrendered to you. Some of you are saying, Lord, I know that you haven't come yet, but please hang on a little because my wife or my husband haven't fully surrendered to you. And so I recognize that this is going to be a day that is going to be happy for some and sad for others because it has to do with your condition. And so what I'm asking right now, whether you're watching at home on YouTube or Facebook or you beautiful people here in the church, let your condition change today. Repent. Stand fast. Hold on to what is good. And ask God to cleanse you. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all righteousness. And look forward to his glorious appearing with joy. And the hope that we will be with him in glory. Don't let a day go by. You have to really, really understand that this, this lethargy in the church, we need to really seek his face and repent. Joel 2.1. Look what it says. Now this is the sound of warning. This was done a lot in the Old Testament. This is Joel chapter 2 verse 1. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. Joel 2, same chapter, 15 through 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate fast. Call a sacred assembly. 16. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children in nursing base. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. 17. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Joel 2, 12-13. Look what it says. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. 13, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. He's coming soon. Sound the trumpets. Come on, get it together. He will welcome you just as you are, but we need to wake up. And if we need to repent, we need to repent. If we can't say amen, say ouch and say, Lord, please have mercy upon me. And I love the last text on verse 13 because it says he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's great of kindness, and he relents from doing harm. He's going to hold out as much as he can. In Peter, it says that he's not just dragging his feet about his coming. It's that he doesn't want anyone to perish. But we need to wake up. We are seeing it. We are seeing the signs. Earthquake, sun, moon, stars has already happened. And then the Lord will come. Look at this quote from Great Controversy, page 311. It says, To prepare a people to stand in the date of God, a great work of reform was to be accomplished. God saw that many of his professed people were not building for eternity. 
And in his mercy, he was about to send a message of warning to arouse them from their stupor and lead them to make ready for the coming of the Lord. What was that message? Revelation 14, 6 through 7. Look what it says. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is not here yet. What does it say there? Has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the spring of water. You have to understand that this is a warning to all of us. We need to worship the creator. It is time. If you've been dragging your feet, if you've been a little bit lackadacious, you need to stop. Guys, I have given you like 50 Bible verses. I am kicking, stumping, and, and doing a wrestling move on that dead horse or whatever that idiom is. Why? Because I need you to get it when you leave here. I need you to understand that this is a warning that he's proclaiming to his people. And it is our job not only to listen and obey, but to share it with the world because the time is at hand. Just look at the media. You know what's happening out there. You know. John 12.35, look what it says. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. John 8, 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Acts 13, 47, look what it says. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth see you have to understand something we have to walk in the light while we still have the light we have been set to be light to the gentiles you know last week last week we we had a message about the importance of coming to church and and worshiping in church i have to tell you if you're not feeling too well if you're concerned about the pandemic i mean we're taking all of the precautions here we're spraying we're fogging we're sanitizing we, i'm speaking and i don't want to like swallow my mask accidentally so i don't have a mask on now but everybody else does we're doing our part to try to be cautious however disease aside in this country we have the freedom to come to a house of prayer in this country pastors are still looked upon as as like men of god not as criminals as it is in other parts of the world but what happens is that pretty soon even being here would not be safe we would not be allowed to do that well we have the opportunity to own bibles and they're not considered contraband well we have the opportunity to eat up and swallow up the word of god it is very crucial now remember earlier when i said that sometimes you may yearn for the lord's coming but if you're good you should yearn for others who are suffering one of the importance of, of coming to worship together is that perhaps i'm doing okay today if you were here with us for the adults, we're doing adult Sabbath school class over in the fellowship hall at 9.30 in the morning. We have prayer requests, and in there we have some praises and stuff. But for the prayer requests, we can pray and uplift one another. This week, I didn't have a request. Other times in the past, I had a deep request, and I needed my brothers to pray for me. One of the beautiful things of belonging to a church family is that you have a chance to uplift one another. Today, if you trip and fall, I'll help you get up. If tomorrow is me, you help me get up. And so for the sake of our brothers and sisters, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Let us come together and uplift one another while we can. Because here's what it says in the spirit of prophecy. While we can be together. 
let's uplift one another and help each other stand in the Lord because there will be a day that we will have to stand alone with God and no one else around us so while we can while we still have light let's bring that light to others as it says right there in Acts 13 47 now look at 1st Thessalonians 5 verses 4 through 5 it says but you brethren this is uh, 1st Thessalonians 5 4 through 5 but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief and I gave you 50 Bible verses to make sure it doesn't overtake you guys here verse 5 you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. You are his. You belong to him. I need you guys to live like children of God. I don't need you to just say you're a child of God. I need you to live like a child of God. And the last text for today as we bring it home, Hebrews 9.28, it says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin. For what? For salvation. My God is coming soon. He died for you and I, and between now and then, let us live as children of the light. The signs are there. We have seen it. We passed the restaurant. We passed the gas station. It's time to pull up to the house. You're here, and my God is coming soon. So let us walk in the light while we still have the freedom to do so. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. And we are so grateful for your mercies. We are so grateful, Father God, because not only did you die for us, and you took up our punishment and gave us your victory, but you also gave us signs to kind of like wake up. You know, kind of like my aunts and uncles, Joey, I'm going to hit you. Joey, I'm going to hit you. Except you're not saying that. You say, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming. When you see the signs, shape up, repent, walk in the light, do it while you can. So that where I am, you may be also. Father God, please help us walk in the light while we can. Please carry us, Lord. And if there is an area of our life that is still dark, we need you to cleanse us and bring us to the light. Work in us and through us for the benefit of all. This is my humble prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let everyone say, Amen.